everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Email Deliverability Unfiltered series here at Kickbox. Um, we've got Kath Pay joining us, so I'm really excited to have her here today. Um, but to introduce the topic, you know, email marketing is a channel that more often than not is the chief driver of traffic, conversions, and revenue for a brand. It has an average return on investment of about 42 to one, and one fully optimized can show even greater returns than that for your email program. But if the journey that your email audience experiences when first being introduced to your brand is not a positive one, so you know either because you flooded their inbox with a ton of irrelevant content right from day one, or maybe you waited two weeks or I don't know, two months to send them that initial welcome message, or maybe they never even signed up for your emails at all. So you're cold emailing them. Um, you know, these kinds of experiences can severely impact your ability to build a loyal following for your brand. And your ROI from email will be nowhere near that average that I mentioned. In fact, your chances of hitting your sales goals through other channels are also at risk if you don't nail this, this customer experience piece. Um, a couple of stats from our friends over at Campaign Monitor, 59% uh, of respondents aged 25 to 34 years old share poor customer experiences online. And 58% of customers will never use a company again after having a negative interaction. Whereas the positive experiences that you can build, 69% of customers would recommend that company and 50% would use that business more frequently just based on having one positive experience. So you know, clearly you can see why this is an important topic for an email marketer to understand, which is why I am so excited to have Kath Pay here to join us for this chat today. Um, you know, Kath has been working in the email industry for I think right around 20 years, if, if, if your LinkedIn creeping that I did is, is, is accurate. Um, you're an, you know, Kath is a recognized um, you know, one of the, I would say one of the, the, the leading email marketing tutors within the UK and her content is amazing. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. Um, she's an international keynote speaker who has shared her knowledge at more conferences and events than I think I've probably ever heard of. Um, and maybe not that she can't even count at this point. Um, she's also the founder and CEO of Holistic Email Marketing, which is an email marketing consultancy agency that believes in developing data-driven email marketing strategies that are supported and enabled by technology, which, you know, honestly, all of that is just music to my ears. So hi, Kath, welcome to Kickbox's Email Deliverability Unfiltered series. It's really, it's honestly so great to have you here. And I do know that um, while you're normally based in London, you're actually living in Antigua for a year. Is that correct? I am. I am. And thank you so much for having me on this, uh, on this podcast or video. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I'm really honored. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm over based in Antigua for um, a year, maybe longer. I don't know. I'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you see my hair blowing in the wind, it's because it's hot. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's all it's all exciting, and I mean, I've got a great team um, in London, and mm -hmm. we're really fortunate too. Though we've got about fifty percent of our database is all our clients um, are in based in the US and in North America, mm -hmm. and fifty percent are in UK and Europe. So it's kind of like you know, okay, I'll, I'll give I'll give the time zone over here a bit of a go. I love it. Yeah. Gosh, I'm actually really jealous. I mean, I'm living in Southern California, so I can't complain too much about the weather, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely swap places with you. So, um, cool. All right. Well, um, honestly, Kath, I, you know, I, I would say like your company's name alone should give our audience, I, I would say like a, a good idea of kind of how you and your team sort of approach email strategy. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that, that I love about your approach is that it's, it's really all about like treating people 
like humans and marketing to them in, in like a respectful way that actually helps build that loyalty that we're going to be talking about so much today. Um, you know, and I think actually one of the first times that I, that I heard you speak in person um, was during one of the EEC's email evolution conferences a couple of years ago. I think it was actually one of those, those little lightning rounds that they had, uh, one of those lightning round sessions. Um, and, and I'm probably going to butcher what you said because it was a couple of years ago, I think. But um, essentially, you know, you were talking all about how you should treat your email subscribers kind of like friends. Um, and how, you know, as you do with friends that you tend to care about, you should show them respect, right? Um, namely, treat them well if you want them to stick around and be there the next time that you want to have a coffee, um, you know, which really just hit home for me, right? Because, um, you know, nobody wants to hear from that friend only when they need help with, I don't know, moving or are you babysitting their kid or something like that. Um, you know, really, it's just, you know, appreciating that that human and I guess that holistic perspective that you bring to our industry. So um, I know you recently just released a brand new book that's called um, Holistic Email Marketing, a practical philosophy to revolutionize your business and delight your customers. Um, and I'm actually I'm hoping we're going to learn a little bit more about that today as we kind of walk through a discussion on customer experience um, and learn more about that, that you know, holistic approach that you bring to, to email. Um, so for now, I'll just say that I'm really excited to, to read it. Um, and um, we will mention um, a link to it within within the show notes that I think are right below this. Um, but basically, it is currently available on Amazon. So go pick it up and, and check that out. Um, but really, you know, I do think Kathy, your 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 approach is is like a perfect match for this topic today, um, because it's all about how customer experience can boost email engagement or I, I guess not, right? So, um, um, but I'd like to start with a personal question for you, Kath. And, you know, I, I know, um, you know, a lot of the, the email folks that are, that are sort of in my circle are deliverability folks. And so um, most of them are kind of working on the vendor side, either at ESPs or a company like Kickbox. Um, so I'm really excited to ask you this question as you're working kind of more on the agency side, you're working more directly with customers and things like that. So I guess, you know, what, what is your favorite part of email? And I guess, you know, why is it that you do what, what you do? Like, why have you been in this industry for so long? And what do you get out of, out of working with customers? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, after being in the industry for over 20 years, I'm still incredibly passionate about email. And it is yeah. ever-changing, ever-evolving. So it's keeping me busy. It's keeping me still stimulated enough. It's not like it's, you know, sort of a flat channel and I have to find things to sort of, you know, uh, keep me occupied. But for me, email is exactly what you said at the very, very beginning. It delivers the highest ROI and out of all of the channels, right? And one of the reasons I think that is is because it's one of the very, very few push channels that there are. And so because, and this is going to come through this conversation a lot today. Yeah, yeah. Because it is that push channel, right, it means that we have the privilege of pushing our messages to our customers and recipients whenever it suits us right right yeah so it's incredibly powerful we're not waiting for them to come we're not waiting mm -hmm. for them to have a need and come to us um we literally are, are, are just appearing in their inbox and they can of course they've got a choice do they want to read do they not want to read do they want to save for later do they want to unsubscribe right yeah, yeah. but i think you know this kind of brings us around to which is why i'm such a, 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 a a big believer in the holistic sort of philosophy is, is essentially because we have that ability to push, we have to be very, very mindful of the customer. Right. Too often 
marketers are very, very concentrated and focused on the brand and, they, and their KPIs. And to be honest, that's what they're paid to do, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> we wouldn't yeah, make sense. We would right. focus on that. But how you can translate that and, and, and you know, turn that into something that's, that's suitable and palatable and appealing to your actual database that's where the, 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 you know, the magic comes in. That's where the holistic, come, you know, approach comes in. That's where we really, really need to um, be um, skillful, right? And so for me, I guess part of mine, because I, I've always been incredibly passionate about marketers, and that has been one of the, the things that's sort of driving me along. So for me, one of the reasons why I'm still here in email is because there's still a lot of teaching and learning and everything to be happening, both by myself, but also to be conveying that as well. Right. And so um, I'm really excited that I'm here today talking about customer experience, which is integral to the holistic approach. And, um, and basically, you know, obviously customer experience isn't just an email um, century or an email topic. It's all about the customer, which is, the essential thing. But for me, email often starts, kickstarts that customer journey because we are that push hell. This was a very elongated way. We're doing elongated today, aren't we? <laughs> so like a big roundabout way of coming back down to the push channel. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're pushing our messages. And um, and so, you know, it, it's, it, it kickstarts that customer journey. And if we get it wrong, then you know, we will pay the price for it as such. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But if we get it right, again, we get to benefit from it. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's one of those, like, I, I feel like I've read something, well, this has been out there for a while, but like the idea that like good marketing doesn't feel like marketing. And that's so challenging when you're in email marketing, because of course, when, when you hit send on that email, it's, it, in essence, it is a marketing email, right? Like everybody, the recipients always know that they're hearing from a brand, but it doesn't have to feel like that. Like, I think that's that's where you can really separate yourself in that sense. And and this is actually tapping into what you said earlier when you, you heard me speak and everything. I'm a big advocate for what I call helpful marketing. And helpful mm -hmm. marketing is basically, if we, if, we, if we take a step back and we look at our brand objectives, right, our business objectives, the, the goals that we have to achieve as a marketer, right? We have to sell this. We have to get X amount of downloads. We have to drive X amount of, you know, MQLs and SQLs and all the rest of it. So we've got our, our needs. If we actually stop, right, and that, that's why we tend to sort of just, okay, I've got to push more messages. I've got to do this. I've got to do that, right? If we actually start to say, well, wait on, why are my customers and why are my subscribers and recipients, why are they on my database? Mm -hmm. What are their needs? How can I help them to achieve their objectives? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Certainly now we're looking at walking around the other side of the coin, right? Two sides of the coin, that's us. Mm -hmm. this, is the, this is the recipient. We walk around the other side of the coin, take their hand and say, how can we help you today, right? And then what happens is, of course, you take them across, they go and achieve their objective, which, of course, by default enables you to achieve your objective. Done and dusted, everyone's happy, your subscriber's happy, they're the ones that are going to be loyal and helping. And this comes down to exactly what you were just saying then. 
you are marketing to them. Every single email, you are marketing to them. But it's how you market. It's right. how you actually, you know, um, form and, and write the copy. And it's the timing. It's using lifecycle marketing to, you know, that they're innately helpful. Um, all of that kind of stuff. It, that's the crucial part. And so, yeah, that's, um, that's what I think is, is really, really essential helpful marketing and I think if we were to all start to sort of and also by nature then or naturally it's the very customer centric marketing right yeah yep you can't go wrong can you yeah exactly and I think that's you know it's one of those like my 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 coin and phrase that I usually use is like provide value to your recipients right you have to and it doesn't matter what that value is it could be educational it could be giving them a discount on something it could just be making them laugh like I think you actually uh, recommended a a um, I, I, somebody who sends email that, that I have no need for because I don't vape, but there's like a, a company called the what category yeah. vape vapes, right? Um, and you told you, you mentioned this on, on a webinar and I signed up and the emails are just hilarious. And unfortunately I'll never buy anything because again, I don't, I don't have a need for that, but it, it, it's such a, a great way to just like have a little bit of fun with the brand. And I think it really pairs well with, with the way that their brand works. And I think that's, you know, for me, the, the value is just just enjoying the email and having a good laugh. But I think that's for like, whatever you're sending, it's got to connect with somebody and really just provide some kind of helpfulness, some sort of value to them, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, this is a, a deliverability themed, um, uh, you know, webinar podcast. Right. So if you think about it, you know, when you talked at the very beginning about engagement and even if you don't end up getting the purchase from them now, or even in your case with Caterpillar, Caterpillar Vapes, never, you, the fact that you're actually opening them is going to be helping with their deliverability. So you're, right. you're still helping them. That, that engagement is still, you know, um, it's worthwhile. And obviously you want the engagement that actually then it, over time will convert. But, you know, as Tesco in the UK says, every little helps, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and that, that's such a great point, because I think that's, you know, like, for you folks at home, if you've been following along with this video series, um, you know that that recipient engagement is one of the main drivers for deliverability, right? Um, this, this is incredibly true with, you know, destinations like Gmail, because they're so focused on, on user engagement. But, but really, in all, you know, in some ways, all mailbox providers are trying to focus on engagement in the sense that they're trying to only deliver those messages that they feel are wanted or providing value to their users, right? So, um, you know, those positive forms of engagement, like opens and clicks and storing messages and replying to them, I don't know, moving them to a folder, things like that are all viewed as positive forms of engagement. And they suggest that you do find value in that. And so then that mail is going to continue to show up in your inbox because you're proving to the mailbox provider that you're kind of, you're okay with receiving it in your inbox. Um, and you want to try to avoid those negative forms of engagement, such as marking emails as spam, um, dragging them to the spam folder, um, just deleting them without ever opening, or honestly, even just never opening that email at all. All of these things can can impact your, your ability to hit the inbox. Um, you know, so I think, you know, we've already kind of talked a little bit about, I, I guess, sort of like, um, what the customer experience is at a very high level. And I really think that's just, you know, any impression that you give to your customers, whether it's within the email channel, whether it's just when they land on your website for the first time, any of that stuff can matter. But I guess, um, Kath, can you kind of just walk us some, through some, some, some different ways, I guess, that email marketing um, can help improve or I guess impact that, that, that customer experience? Absolutely. Basic things like making sure that your email and your landing page um, are not disconnected, mm. that they are connected and that, you know, you, I'm sure we've all experienced it. I know I have. You, you go on an email, oh, that looks really, really good. You go and click on off the email 
onto the landing page and then you just go, what am I doing here again? What, what am I doing? <laughs> Right. right. So, so for me, one of the, the first principle of customer experience really is everything that you do, just go through and do a, a sanity check mm-hmm. and see if it raises a question in your mind. You know, whether it's collecting too much data when you're first asking them to, to subscribe to you, whether it's that you've got four steps in the checkout when you really all your competitors only have two you know, steps whether you've got ambiguous copy and, um, and they're kind of sitting there going, I don't know what this means. As soon as you make them stop and query, raise a question or ask why or anything like that, you are not delivering a good customer experience and you stand the chance of actually getting them to jump off. Right. So this is, you know, first, first rule, do a sanity check in your email, on your landing page, um, you need to be looking at it because, right, customer experience is not just, like we've said, relate, you know, applicable only to email. It's applicable to the entire customer journey. And I don't know that email marketers are fully aware of how much, you know, email is called upon throughout the customer journey. So that's why we need to do. We need to make sure that we are there and that we're giving a great experience. Our website team is. We're working hand in hand with them. If at all possible, we can also hopefully get, you know, um, control over our landing pages or even, you know, so that we can um, uh, make sure that they are delivering the same message, even if it's just the same, using the same headline or the same imagery or something. It doesn't have to be absolutely. But, you know, I know so many email marketers, so they, they're incredibly dedicated and they will optimize their email design and copy and, and to a certain extent, tone and everything like this. So that when you end up having it, it's kind of like, it's a standalone, it's over here and it's, it's, it's conveying something different yeah. to the recipient than actually where you're driving them to. Hmm. So you need to make sure there's always that, you know, working together as such. Yeah, yeah, and I guess, you know, it's, would you say, and you know, like obviously like, you know, understanding that like the buyer persona or the persona of, of your email recipients or, or your customers in general, I think is important. But I guess, it, do you think it's it's more important to understand the, the persona or or just kind of like the life cycle of, of your program? Like, I guess, or, or both of them, I guess, is, is all of that essential? I guess, what, what should people be focusing on if they're trying to kind of figure this out? If, if you don't, if you haven't got the budget or the time or anything like that to create personas, I really, really encourage you to actually just go through and identify different scenarios, mm-hmm. different buying scenarios. I've just gone and completed this for a, a customer and we mm-hmm. just did all the different variants of different ways that they could come and sign up, um, whether it's because they've purchased or whether it's because they, you know, the, the, it's the first time they clicked on the Google ad, whatever the story is. And we're going through and identifying all of those different types of, um, you know, various groups. Right. And and I, I would be, I would be encouraging you to do that. Ideally, you do that. Have personas and absolutely life cycle marketing because life cycle marketing to me makes your life easy. It really, really does. Oh yeah. You know, you've got something you and, and because of those life cycle marketing emails are innately personalized. Mm-hmm. They're innately helpful. They're innately customer centric. Mm-hmm. So 
all together, you're giving them a great customer experience because that that's what, you know, they're the fundamental principles of, of customer experience as well, I think, um, besides the actual removing all barriers. So, no, for, for me, um, lifecycle marketing is, you know, that, that's an easy win. It really, really is. And um, because every email that's being sent out is because they've done something, they've not done something, you know, that's basically it. it's based on behavior yeah whether yeah whether they've they've hit a market or they haven't hit the mark or or they've purchased something or they haven't purchased something or they've been to the site but they haven't been to the site whatever the story is you know that there's something behind it and so just make sure that you have a contingency plan for it and you're you're there going great we're going to help you along the way to keep bringing you back and back and back yeah, right. Okay, cool. Awesome. And I guess you look know, while we're kind of talking about lifecycle marketing, um, I'd kind of like to just sort of dip into sort of um, maybe some do's and don'ts of, of automation and lifecycle marketing. Like I think, you know, some of the things that I've seen is, I mean, of, of course, we've all seen those ones where you, you kind of forget about a certain email that's going out, especially during Corona times, and, and those are just completely tone deaf. And that's a problem. But um, I guess, you know, what, what are your tips for, for how people should kind of um, handle a life cycle type of, of program where, where, you know, that that's effective and not kind of pushing people away as opposed to really helping. Great question. Um, so <clears throat> definitely you need automated emails and programs are not set and forget, right? Mm -hmm. yes. The very, very beginning, you heard a lot of them and this was actually mainly ESP oriented and I think they understand because most email marketers that you and I probably know are under-resourced, uh, under-budgeted, overworked, you know, we're on this kind of like little sort of cycle just, you know, churning out email campaigns. And so that trigger, set and forget, it's incredibly attractive, right? And also because the, the, the automated emails, the lifecycle programs and everything, they're not necessarily the easiest or quickest to set up. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of came in with that kind of, you know, trying to sell it to you that way. And I think that was a real shame because literally there's so many email marketers that just took them at their word and, and just, you know, forgot about. It. So, so definitely don't set and forget. For me, it's, it's exactly the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. I think that these are, I'm a huge advocate for A-B testing and I think we do too little A-B testing on automated programs. And I think that the best way to do it is actually when you're setting up your automated lifecycle program, we could call it a welcome program, abandoned cart, second purchase program, whatever you want to do. You set up two streams, right? You have your A, B, your A stream and your B stream. And you are testing a hypothesis and you're creating different emails. Now, sometimes it might be the offer, sometimes it might be the approach, it might be educational versus benefit, could be, you know, whatever. So you're testing these different ones. And then after a period of time, you come up with the winner. Woo -woo. So that one now becomes your control. And then you go and replenish and change the hypothesis and replace it, right? So instead of the set and forget mentality, mine is a continually optimized mentality. And the beauty about this is you're not just benefiting with that particular program. Mm -hmm. If you craft your hypotheses well enough, you can actually be 
learning about your customers. And those learnings and insights can be brought over to your regular BAU uh, campaigns, your solar emails, your newsletters. Wow. You can even be taken over to your social campaign, you know, your social media, um, your landing pages, your website, your product pages, you name banner ads, you name it because it's all about the customer, right? So, so to me, it's and it's 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 just a great way of doing it. So definitely do your A/B testing with your programs because these are your, your lifecycle marketing programs are some of the biggest money owners that you can be doing so that the, the investment is well you know well worth it but if you just sort of go oh let's just do it we'll leave it there and then two years later you'll go oh i know how it's doing right <laughs> you haven't even checked oh, no. you actually be leaving a lot of money on the table yeah which right. is yeah yeah which is, okay. which is a but one last tip too yeah. Because, because it, they are more complicated to set up and, and I think that is actually a barrier mm-hmm. for marketers to, 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 be, to be doing them. Just take a little step at a time. Instead of doing a welcome series, do a welcome email. Instead of doing an abandoned cart series of three, just at least do the one. Or, you know, all I'm saying is that make it as easy for you to be able to get something up and happening than not and also don't kill yourself trying to get them all up all at once because ideally you want to be learning from one to carry over the insights to the other learn from that carry the you know what i mean so it's it's iterative okay awesome yeah and i guess like in terms of testing i mean there's you know um i guess like how long would you typically maybe run one of those ab tests before you kind of decide on a winner is that a very short time period is that kind of like a couple of weeks that you're looking and i guess also what is the the typical audience like for for people that are a small business and kind of say oh but my audience is probably too small is there such thing as too small can you do those tests even even with that smaller list yeah so so it's all based on volume right Mm -hmm. so the more people that come and use that program the shorter the, the the test um you know uh cycle will be right? okay sure because you have to make sure that it's statistically significant yeah if you've only got a small amount so you've only got you know a few people coming uh, every day and everything mm-hmm. it's obviously going to be longer um because you you still need it to be statistically significant so that's one of the that's how it's testing and a b a b testing in in um in automated programs is different to BAU testing or campaign AB testing. Sure. Right? Okay. Yeah. Because um, it's more time based. It's it's more in line with a traditional website type thing. You know, gotcha. Right. And everything like that. So just keep that in mind. But yeah. So don't don't and make sure you don't cut anything off too soon. You might say, okay, we're gonna look at it in four weeks' time. Sure, look at it in four weeks' time. Go do your math check out to see if it's statistically significant. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's not, you just keep keep it running. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Nice and easy. And like you said, just, just do as much as you can do whatever you can set it up. You know, obviously if you even just set up that one campaign, you're going to learn something, you're going to get some data that comes in. So that's awesome. Um, I guess in terms of metrics, um, we had a, an episode on metrics a little while ago that are of course very much focused on deliverability, but I guess in terms of measuring the success of your program and kind of like adjusting things here and there, um, what metrics are you looking at when, when you're deciding that? That's a great question. I love this. Um, I particularly, if we're looking at conversions, I find that a lot of, 
when I go and do audits for my customers, mm -hmm. I find that they're actually using the wrong calculation for, for conversions, um, mm -hmm. particularly when we're talking about automated programs. So what they tend to do is they're tending to use session times, which is, you know, how many people are on the landing page and, the, and, and not session times, session numbers, and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, then looking at the conversions. But to do that, you've actually completely and utterly missed the email factor, which, you know, so therefore I prefer to do my calculations from the number sent. Now, admittedly, it's going to be a lot smaller because we're talking about a lot more people at yeah. this end that you're sending to, and mm -hmm. therefore the percentage is going to be much smaller. It's going to be more accurate. It's going to give you an idea of, of how well the actual program is, is, um, is, is working and, and also, you know, which, which, uh, which if it's your control or your, or your, um, or your variant is working. Okay. But generally speaking, um, opens for me, I'm, I'm a little bit controversial in my view on opens. Opens are informative. Opens are good. Opens are great for deliverability, you know, like we were saying, right? And, and this is where deliverability and general marketing, I think, general email marketing, they kind of, there's a little bit of confusion because deliverability, you have to focus on the open rate because that is what, you know, the Gmails and Hotmails, they're the ones are looking at the open rate and saying, oh, so you're liked. Okay, we like that, right? Whereas I find when you're actually looking at meeting your business metrics, unless you're a publisher, in which you are being rewarded financially by increasing your number of opens, right? Most of us are actually more likely going to be rewarded on, um, you know, conversions, like I said, whether it's purchases um, or whether it's um, downloads or you know, whatever your um, definition of conversion is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's a really, really key one. Uh, so the actual conversion factor. The um, clicks are good. Clicks are in indicative um, or potentially indicative so that if you can't measure the conversions, then that is the better default for me than uh, open rate. But I also like to, because I'm so subscriber-oriented, I also like to go in and look at some subscriber metrics as well. So open reach and, and click reach. And mm -hmm. these ones are based basically on you, you, you identify a period, say six months, and then you can go in and say, okay, so our current open reach factor is um, 60%. So that means that over the six month period, you, you've had one, each individual, 60% of your database has opened up your emails once. So that's your open reach. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. So that gives you a good indication on how um, active your database is. And then that also then gives you the benchmark to say, okay, I want to be increasing this. Now, frequency is going to be increasing that mm -hmm. if you increase it. So increasing frequency will increase your open reach. Decreasing frequency will probably decrease your open reach. But again, right. this, is, this is a whole art of everything, isn't it? So I, I call deliverability an art because too frequent and you're going to fall into deliverability issues. Right. So, yeah. So, it, and this is why you need to be sort of really looking at things, looking at your data, 
-hmm. creating your own hypotheses, creating your own questions, and then putting those tests. Don't just say, oh, okay, so, you know, Cass said I should increase my um, frequency, so full stop, I'm going to do that. that. That's the last thing I want you to do. Mm -hmm. You question it. You look at your data. Does that make sense too? Well, yeah, it could. Okay, we're going to do a trial. But we're going to do, um, you know, a, a control. So we'll have our control, and our control will be receiving the regular frequency. And then we'll have our variant, uh, is a different group, that's going to be receiving the increased frequency. And that way you can actually... But when you're doing things like that, again, don't just looking at opens. Because mm -hmm. if you just look at opens and you're increasing frequency, I can tell you that they're going to decrease. Right. But like I said, you're actually going to increase your open reach um, and your sales will increase as well. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not saying that as a bucket, you know, this is it, go for the frequency factor or anything like that. There's too much to, to, to take into account. So you need to be the marketer. And, um, and query your own data, query your own brand, understand your customer um, you know, database and everything and, and what their needs are. So, but of course, bringing us back to lifecycle marketing, a great way of increasing frequency is to be um, impl implementing lifecycle marketing. And it's increasing it so that it's helping your deliverability because they're always get high open rates, high clicks and everything. But it, and it's also providing that customer service to your customers. So they're actually not going to be worrying too much about the increased frequency because you've actually helped them. You've provided them something of value. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the, the negative interactions, right. So figure, um, you know, spam complaints, of course, are, are very heavily weighted by mailbox providers. So I guess when you're, when you're looking at, at someone's program, do you see times where they, they run a test or they're sending too many emails or that the emails just aren't kind of helpful enough. And that, that leads to like high complaints and unsubscribes. Like, I think that's something that people tend to look at. They're like, Oh, the open rates are amazing. But then they don't look at the fact that that's also the highest complaint rate they've had in six months as well. Right. So um, yeah. How does that factor in? Yeah, no. Complaint rates, uh, unsubscribes, they all need to be taken into consideration. You know, um, you can, if you want to increase your open rates really, really easy, you just go and do those, um, I'm, trying, I'm blanking on it. You know, what are those ones where you write a blog and it's just basically, it's it, clickbait. <laughs> Love clickbait, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. People will open them. Mm -hmm. Will they convert? Right. No. Will they complain? Very likely, right? Because they're, it's, it's all about setting, your subject line sets an expectation. If, you're, if, if you don't meet that expectation, then mm -hmm. they're going to be disgruntled, right? So, yes, and that's why I'm saying you, you, you've got to be careful because we, we can get so carried away with, oh, I've got to open up, you know, increase the open rate and everything. Right. And we do all these, you know, scheduled oops emails. Yeah. I know someone who's done that, right? And oh my goodness. <laughs> and he gets, you know, but he's worked it out to being a fine art. I'm not advocating that at all. But, but you know, there's lots of tactics that you can do to increase your open rates, but it's not going to increase your conversions. In fact, it's going to decrease them. So that's why, um, you know, looking at everything, looking at the whole picture, the whole picture, and that includes the, the complaints, the unsubscribes, the bounces, everything like that, um, is absolutely crucial. And that's why you should be measuring everything. 
Makes sense. Yeah. And I love that you actually brought up the word expectations, because I think this is such a big part of that customer experience. Like, you know, whether you you did, hopefully you did sign up for, for the emails that you're receiving in some way, either through a purchase or, you know, like a newsletter sign up or something. Um, but whatever you promised at that point, right? If you promise a certain type of email or a certain frequency, um, that's a great thing to do so that they can understand what to, to receive from you in the, in, the, in the future. But if you change that, or if you mess that up, or if you kind of, you know, like with those subject lines, if yeah, if you overpromise and then under deliver, um, that is just, just the worst thing that you can do, not just for deliverability, but again, for, for that overall experience that you're having with the brand, right? Like, I think I, I even just, um, I bought a printer recently. Well, I tried to buy a printer recently. Um, it was available on the website. They sent me an email being like, Hey, cool. You're going to get your shipment notification soon. And then the next email I got was actually like, oh, actually this is on back order and we have no idea when this is going to come. Um, it's been on back order now, I think for a couple of months. And it's one of those, like, I, I'm, I'm so frustrated by the fact that they didn't just tell me up front that it wasn't in stock. Um, yeah. You know, that is, I, I will never buy from that brand ever yeah. again, because they set my expectations to a, a certain level to say, you're going to get that thing that you asked for and paid for, um, yeah. you know, and, and I'm still kind of waiting on it. So I still need to just kind of find another printer and move on and, and, and cancel that one. But still, yeah, I think that 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 experience has been just so negative for me and so frustrating and, and just not helpful at all that it's 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 really driving me to, to you know, to, to talk badly about that company at this point, you know. And, you know, for me, I, it's just a principle in life. Setting and meeting expectations is the key to happiness. And so if it's a key to happiness in life, then, of course, that's the key to happiness in, in, uh, in email marketing as well. It's going to follow through. Yeah. And it's just so important. You know, it, and we can even go even more granular. Sorry, I don't want to be bashing on opens. But I'm <laughs> yeah. They're wonderful. Yeah. Movies. It's okay. It's okay. You can go for it. <laughs> so if we think about, um, and I have done this so many times with my clients, you are, are doing a, a subject line, right? Mm -hmm. And you tested and you found that the generic subject lines, i.e. the short, remember remember how we've always asked the question, right? Yeah. The last 20 years, that question has been asked for me. Are short subject lines better than long subject lines or vice versa, right? How long should the subject line be? Mm -hmm. And to me, it's the wrong question to be asking. Mm -hmm. It's all about generic versus specificity. Mm, yeah. So, Generic by innate nature are short, right? Specific ones are by innate nature long. Mm -hmm. Not always the case, but more often than not. So if we if we want to be doing that, then if I were to send you a, an email with a very short, snappy, you know, uh, ambiguous um, subject line, you'd be going, "Oh, what is that all about?" Right? Yeah. But at the same time, you're there and you've got, I wonder if it's this or I wonder if it's that or, you know what I mean? Like your, your expectations have been set by yeah. yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're there and you're opening up and you go, oh, oh no, that wasn't it. Okay. And yeah. you're gone, right? So it doesn't mean that you're going to be block, blocking them, unsubscribing, hitting complaint or anything like that, but it means that you're not going to be converting. Whereas yeah. if I were to do a very specific subject line, and um, I will probably get less opens because it's not as generic, attractive, ambiguous, right. and all the rest of it. So, but I'm going to be attracting the right audience who are more likely to convert, right? Yeah. And this, again, bringing this back to deliverability, this is the struggle that we have. Mm -hmm. So I did a, I did a, um, I worked with a client. It's actually a case study in my, um, in my book. 
which is available on Amazon. <laughs> um, uh, it's a case study with Printerpix. And what we did was, whilst their deliverability was really, really bad, we actually went for the ambiguous short subject line factor as a strategy, yeah. knowing that we were going to get fewer sales, but in order for the bigger picture to get increased deliverability. Right. right? Yeah. So we did that, got increased um, engagement, higher open rates, is either ISP started liking us more, and then we could convert back to our more specific subject lines, which actually gave us higher uh, conversions. Yeah, so, I love that. That's, that's such a cool strategy. Yeah, it's just about being clever and understanding some basic things. And again, looking at your data. Your data might be different to what I've found generally being. Um, and so, and that's absolutely fine because every company is different, products are different, audience is different. So what I'm saying is just generally what I have found, mm -hmm. that's the case. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. And I think that's one of those, we didn't really touch on this today. And honestly, I, I feel like we've, we've spent, we're running out of time here. This has been such a great conversation, um, but really like get, you know, follow your metrics. Um, I love that, that you mentioned that because that's something that I feel really, really strongly about as well, but really like also, you know, pair your goals with email or your, your business goals with your email goals, right? Like make sure that you're tracking the right things, that you're optimizing the right things. Do audits from time to time, not just on your authentication, um, but also just on your, your metrics, making sure that everything that you're sending makes sense, that it has a place within your, your bigger structure. All that good stuff is, is so, so, so important. Um, so cool. All right. Well, uh, like I said, we're kind of running out of time. So I want to jump to a question for you, a little bit more of a personal one, Kath. Um, you know, I, We've asked this of a couple of other people, and you know, this is tough when you've been in the industry for as long as you have, but um, if you had to kind of pass along sort of like one tip, one bit of advice for people that are pursuing, a, you know, a career in our industry, I guess, what, what would that be? Right. <clears throat> that would be, don't, this is interesting, don't accept everything that you hear. That's what I find is the biggest problem. And this comes from, there's a root cause. And the root cause is your, you know, email marketers are under-budgeted, under-resourced, overworked, right? So therefore we tend to sort of go, oh, there's an article. Someone say read it. Brilliant. I'm going to read that. Oh, okay, that's it. Done and dusted. They, they forget the, the extra step of, wait on, is this applicable for my business? Is this applicable for my business needs? Is this going to help us? They just go and implement it. Someone says, Welcome, you know, um, programs of five emails are going to give you the best results. Right. And so someone just goes and does it blindly. So for me, it's a case of don't accept everything and question everything you hear. And when I say question, I don't necessarily mean doubtful question, but I mean question from perspective of, of you, your, your business or, you know, the, the company you work for and, and everything. So that for me is the biggest one. So... I spoke last year at um, at um, oh, a conference in Vegas, Email Innovations. Mm -hmm. And it was really, you know, all about asking the audience to start um, just thinking, I don't want to say thinking for themselves because that sounds like we're sheep because we're not sheep. <laughs> Taking that extra step and start to sort of, think things through and and don't just, you know, I, I, 
I have an issue with best practices as well because a lot of best practices, as you guys know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are not necessarily best practices at all. You know, a lot of them are just um, uh, old best practices which were relevant but are no longer relevant or they're trends that have somehow been turned into a best practice because they became popular and suddenly if they're popular, popular equals best practice, which is best <laughs> it's the best way to get one. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them have been actually planted into, into the, the industry by a service provider because it's a self-serving one. It helps them as mm -hmm. opposed to being a marketer and helping a customer. So, you know, it's kind of like just don't just say if, if something is a best practice, don't just go, oh, great, best practice, got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's such great advice. And it's one of those like where, you know, you didn't even touch upon um, the actual like misinformation that is spread around in our industry where there, there are things that are completely infactual, right? The, the fact that people are still saying that um, just using the word free in your subject line is going to damn your mail to the spam folder. It's, it's much more complicated than that, right? So I think that's, you know, we're not even touching on that, but I think you have a great point, which is, you know, like there could be there could be 15 people that are all experts in the same field and giving completely different advice and it's relevant to their business or maybe it's relevant to your business, but you really need to kind of pair that and decide, is this the right strategy for me and for my brand voice and, and all that stuff. So that's, that's such great advice. And that's definitely not something that I would have thought to share. So awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. And I'm not saying don't read, read. Of course. Read. No, no. Read as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Put a, put a bit of a sanity check there. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. All right. Um, great. Well, uh, you know, audience, I, I think if you guys have been paying attention at all today, you probably now realize the, the true importance of, um, you know, why the customer experience is ever so important, not just with email, not just with deliverability, but just for your overall brand, right? So um, by focusing on a holistic and, and let's say like a more human approach within your email marketing strategy and implementing some of the tactics that, that Kath was talking about today, um, you should be able to improve your experience um, for anybody who's interacting with your brand. And of course, that's going to help your email program. So um, I guess fellow email geeks, stay tuned for the next episode. As I mentioned, it's going to be us digging into a bunch of misconceptions about email. Um, there really is so much misinformation that's been passed around. So um, it, some of it needs some serious debunking. So we're going to try to tackle that next time. Um, thanks to you, Kath, so much for being here and um, have a great rest of your year in Antigua. I think um, that rooster that was crowing in the background was trying to steal your attention. So I think it's time for you to go. But, <laughs> but thanks so much. It was really great chatting with you. Uh, thank you so much, Lauren. I had an absolute pleasure. Um, and, and yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye, everyone.